welcome to Las Doctoras podcast. Led by our intuition, we are creating space for conversations, asking critical questions, and interrogating the oppressive systems of power we live in. We are your hosts. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a Cancer sun and moon with Pisces rising, mother of water. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, they, Virgo sun, Aquarius moon, Gemini rising, mother of earth. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom. Our work is to heal the wounds of generational trauma that is of white male and cis hetero supremacy, all while we create a way of being that celebrates, truly revels in the joy of our families and our community. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection, immersed in compassionate self-awareness and courageous action. Come, sit at our kitchen table, sip on some tequila with us, and let's change our world. Salud! And we're live. Hello! (laughs) Welcome! (laughs) Welcome to Las Doctoras Podcast episode mm. 30 is something 40 something i don't know always siempre <laughs> we're in season four we're rounding out season four we're actually already prepping for season five we're really excited about it um Things we cannot talk about do not talk <laughs> about them do not <laughs> yes um, but we can talk about all the things we've been up to, mm-hmm. particularly the spring launch of St. Lunita magazine. Yeah, this is exciting. So many beautiful pieces, so many, um, so much artwork this time around. I mean, I, it's, it's like every season we're just like, how, how can this get any, better and it just gets better you know <laughs> every um, every season I'm like oh my god what if we don't get any submissions and you know like I I really get nervous that no one's gonna submit anything and yeah. inevitably we end up with like freaking amazing stuff yeah and of course we have this bitchin team now of editors and contributors and columnists and um that community is so special to us um I feel like actually in our last intro, we talked about this too. And if it's, I I think it's, it, you know, it's something that we should always mention and want to mention just, you know, the last Dakota's team is, is real. Vortex, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And we have to say that we celebrated a one year anniversary of the magazine. So we launched, um, the spring edition on the one year anniversary of it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, man, you know, from the podcast to the book club, to our writing course, to the magazine, I, I, I don't know. It still always feels like <sighs> we're lucky to be doing this or I don't know. Luck is not the right word, but blessed. It's just like, Oh, it still feels so cool. It's beautiful how much resonance there is like that kind of, oh, you know, um, we get these TikTok notifications now that we join TikTok and it's like, they like you. They really like you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> 
I, did we post on TikTok? You know, one of our team members, something like this. But you know, that yes. feeling though of of it's not being liked, it's of finding like um, you know, it's like that moment that we had in the playground, you know, where you just you can have a conversation with ease <laughs> and you can have a conversation that excites you. You know, I feel like that's what I find in each of these spaces. And then each of these things that we do, right, part of our, you know, our university or un-university or something like that also is something that um, comes with, comes with ease for us too. Like it comes with, it's something we love, you know, we want to talk, we want to, you know, get to the root of things and we want to write Mm -hmm. and we want to share. It's just a part of who we are. And so that also Mm -hmm. feels just deeply beautiful that we're not pretending you know to be something (laughs) yeah and I I mean I think I just you know we've a lot talked about how important it is for us to celebrate and like particularly these kinds of milestones like a year of the magazine and two years of the book club and going into season five of the podcast like you know I think we really need to be celebrating all those things because um, we didn't anticipate where it would all take us. And so every time it is surprising for us. Um, but I, you know, again, it's important for us to celebrate those milestones as a way to, I think that's part of the work that we're doing in reclaiming, you know, our, mm-hmm. I don't know, just, just in a world that tells us mm-hmm. to just work and hustle and be productive and put your head mm-hmm. down and grind and here we are doing something that we love and really trying to decolonize all of these spaces. Um, so to make it to each of these milestones feels really, really great. And it's important for us to, to like name those things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. the other message is that we have to be like the best of the best or like maybe coming from LA to where the Hollywood influence is so real, like something mm. so unique and so different and like, like, you know, like Isabella and <laughs> <laughs> you know, like basically someone with superhuman gifts, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really finding that, you know, all along, it's just like who we are, what we've brought, yes. like, what the we've gained the knowledge we've gained and everything like that. So yeah. um, I want to celebrate that, you know, this will come out with, with, in April, but um, already we have um, students enrolled for our sp- our spring sacred writing course. And that feels beautiful. Mm-hmm. Something that also just, oh gosh, I just love how people come to us and find us. So nice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think all of it works together, right? The writing course. And then we see people who come through our writing course um, publish in the magazine. And I mean, that's why we created the magazine was for that, you know, for a space for writers and, um, and so, yeah, so our writing course, we've got some people enrolled and there is still space for whoever wants to join. Um, you can go to lasdoctoras.com slash sacred writing to learn about the course. We start May 15th. Um, if you are a writer or if you are a creative or if you, you know, are don't consider yourself a writer, but feel like you've been called to writing. Number one, we're here to tell you, you are a writer. Mm-hmm. And number two, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that this space is for you to be able to come and work through the writing wounds that maybe have come up for you. Um, I think we talk about it in terms of, 
you know, people love to sort of set the intention to say, oh, I want to do writing. Mm -hmm. And then they sit to write and a lot of anxiety comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Because those voices in our head that tell us we're not good enough or we're not, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not good writers and all of those things. And that kind of prevents us from, from writing or we set the intention to write and then we find every excuse in the book to avoid. <laughs> and we're not avoiding writing, we're avoiding the anxiety that comes up around writing. Mm-hmm. And so our course, we really try to work through those anxieties mm-hmm. and create um, methods to um, let some of those go and, mm-hmm. or even just understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. and you know that they are not they're not our real story and that we um, we have the permission to tell our mm-hmm. true and authentic stories. And each, you know, I think the thing is too, it's, it's each step. So even if, even as we're talking about this, if this brings up anxiety, you know, the first thing that we invite you to do is just come into a conversation with us. So that's what you'll do, you know, first mm-hmm. once you apply and, um, because that, that, that in itself is already, I mean, we believe in the magic of conversation. That's why we continue this podcast and we love it. <laughs> and so we're just inviting you to come into a one-on-one conversation with us. Just here, how, where, where are you in your story and how can we help you? You know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, so that's beautiful. There's steps. We just take the step together, you know? So. Yeah. Um, and that being yeah. said, Mm-hmm. The episode that we are bringing you today or the interview or the discussion that we're bringing you today is number one, a discussion with somebody that um, has come through our book club, has come through our writing course. Um, and um, I actually was her homeroom teacher when I taught <laughs> high school. It's so strange. Um Mm-hmm. And she is now actually, uh, I think, working on her master's at USC. Um, I wrote her a letter of recommendation, <laughs> um, but I'm super yeah. proud of her. And um, I'm like, I think she shares this publicly that she's also expecting. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Congratulations to Bernice. Um, So yeah, this is a conversation that we had about a year ago, probably um, when uh, I watched the novella Mariposa de Barrio that I eventually wrote an article about in our magazine in the Chisma section. By the way, Mm -hmm. please go to our Chisma section Mm -hmm. in our magazine because this edition has some really amazing pieces about Encanto, about turning red, about the real housewives. <laughs> it's a really robust section. Finally, I've been working on that section for a long time. Well, I think this conversation, you know, with uh, Bernice is really how we, I, I think it fostered really the mm-hmm. Chisme section in St. Lunita. It, you know, I think it named that we need a space for this, for these conversations. We need Mm -hmm. a space to unpack when we're watching these things in pop culture, whether it's films or novelas or shows or reality shows, or just really anything that's happening in pop culture, a place to unpack it from a critical perspective, from a feminist perspective, from an anti-racist perspective. Like how do we do that in community um, and in a, in a place that feels safe. And so, yeah, I think this conversation definitely, like you said, fostered 
that section in the magazine to say, okay, now we have to have a space to continue to have these, because I think people think of pop culture, they dismiss it a lot. I mean, this is my whole dissertation, right? Like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's just funny or it's just, you know, frivolous, but pop culture media has a really big impact on us in so many ways um, and in a a lot of insidious ways. And so I think for us to ignore it is really ignoring a huge influence in a lot of our lives. Um, And I think that's, if I can remember correctly, that's kind of what we speak to in this discussion as well is to not dismiss the, the impact that, especially a novella, right? Knowing what novella culture is, um, within Latinx households, um, particularly with Mariposa de Barrio, there wasn't really a lot of space to like unpack. This was a really heavy topic mm-hmm. that was covered in this novella. And I didn't see too many like discussions about it. So um, I think this was a really important um, thing to talk about. So yeah, we talk about toxic masculinity, domestic Mm -hmm. violence, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even how women perpetuate patriarchy and and all those things. So I Mm -hmm. I felt like we had a really good uh, nuanced conversation. And then again, I was from that, I was able to write a piece um, for the magazine. And I actually submitted that article in my review (laughs) for my, um, you know, our annual review at work. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, this is a critical piece that I wrote. <laughs> it speaks to yes. all the things, but, um, so yeah, so this, um, is a conversation with Bernice Elisararas talking about Mariposa de Barrio. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like yes. we said, we're going to bring you a few more of these conversations that we've had over the last year, um, to round out our season four of the podcast. So enjoy this episode. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Yes. All right. We are now live. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Hi. Um, I did post Hello. it on uh, on P- on Instagram, but we'll see who tunes in. <laughs> so thanks, everyone. Thank you, Bernice. So let's. I think we should start with um. Uh, let's, let's have Bernice introduce Sorry. herself. <laughs> As I'm, uh, I'm preparing myself. I prepared myself mentally and now I'm creating this physical space because this conversation, <laughs> it could be we, draining. Yeah. Watching it and everything. So my yeah. name's Bernice. My mm-hmm. pronouns are she and her. And I... I'm coming at you from HP, Huntington Woo-woo. Park. Yes, <laughs> from South Central LA, but I, I reside in HP. I come from a history of HP residers, my mom, my dad, and all them. I and um, I know for all those people that are interested, I am an Aries. That question always comes up. <laughs> Ooh, Aries. I don't know my sunset. Love or my sunset. Love it. Yeah, but I know I'm an Aries. Oh, man. So I don't know what's going on with my Palo Santo. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No. It's, it's got a lot of, <laughs> it's got a lot of machista energy there. It must be the spirit. I was telling, I was telling Renee that, um, Doctora, Renee, I, I love that beer. Pick, I've, ha- I've had that. You had it? Yeah. 
Okay, it does the job. So I quickly grabbed it from a liquor store because I just needed a beer that day. Um, you know, just, it was a lot going on. I'm like, let me de-stress with the beer. So I grabbed it from my local liquor store. And I was like, I don't want to do all these other Trump supporting. I'm very intentional with my beer. <laughs> I love so it. anything that's like the Bush company and all that, I don't support it. I don't buy yeah, it. Nothing. So I was like, yeah. ah, this is, looks like a craft beer company. <clears throat> and, and I misread it. That was Four Peaks, which is a craft beer company. And this is Four Corners Brewing. They're in Texas. Um, and yeah, it's called El Chingon. And I never touched it again after I realized like the name of this beer. And like, literally, let me read it real quickly to you. Este India Pale Ale is puro hop machismo. It's brewed with a badass blend of mighty American hops, balanced with monarch malt, and dry hop for aromatic intensidad. Orale, crank up your chingon factor. Tu hype man está en el espejo. <clears throat> well, that, that just says it, it all. That says I, it all. I had it. I had it at a local Mexican place in um, Whittier no. near the Pico border. Mm -hmm. They they had two kinds of that beer, Chingon and I hope uh, Chingon like Valiente or something like that. Like, oh no, sadly no. <laughs> yeah. So I want to say um, before is we have to just put it out there so that it's on the record of how Bernice and we all know each other. Yeah. One is. I was Bernice's high school homeroom teacher. <laughs> back a million. Back, I'm like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> when I was um, a high school teacher for three years. Um, and then, like, mm -hmm. I think you've been following us for a while. Yep. I've been following your work <laughs> at the inception, actually, the inception of, mm -hmm. of when you... Uh, both started kicking off um, Las Doctoras. Sorry, I need to, I'm telling you, I really need this. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> I feel it. I feel um, it. And I'm it. part of the book Love club. And yeah, so you joined our book club, which was, I'm like, it's coming like in April. I think it'll be a year of the book oh my club. God, is it my anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> it's our anniversary. It's our anniversary. Yeah, for sure. Um, no plug, but. Uh, <laughs> I got, so, I got my little, <laughs> my little plasma. <laughs> Love it. Um, so I'm going to cheers to that. You're right. Yeah, salud. I'm like, I have water what? right now. I need to go get something. Right. So just, mine's just water because I had a lot of champagne this weekend. And if you're watching this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be beer or alcohol. Be water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or Gatorade, so, whatever. I'm like, let's vinegar. get into it because... I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time. Well, one one night, I, I I think I posted something, and Bernice responded. I was like, I knew Bernice would have watched this and have a critique. So yeah. we're talking about Mariposa de Barrio, um, the novella based on the life of Genevieve Vera. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I, f I just finished watching the whole, it's 90, like 91 or something. 91 ep season one, 91 <laughs> episodes. Well, it's a, it's a novella. Like, and so that format is like different than English soap operas that run for decades. Like Spanish language novellas run for like usually a short amount of time. So it had to be for like three, four months that it was on. I think if it aired every day, um, 42 minutes. Each. I want to yeah. put it. 
I want to put a qualifier on there. Number one, I guess my Wi-Fi is not so good right now, so I hope this is okay. Mm -hmm. But two, I haven't seen the show, right? But and but Renee has invited me here because I am no stranger to toxic masculinity and romantic um, relationships. So I'm here to kind of offer my philosophical take. And I love that you're an <laughs> yes. Aries. And and I I have to say like when I started watching it. At some point, I was like, I told, I told Christina, you should not watch it because mm -hmm. there's. In I fact, think I, I chose not to watch it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, I can't was. Watch. I gave her the heads up. I don't like, watch it. There's, there's sexual violence, domestic violence, with no trigger warning, no like contextualization of it, no like opposing views like it's just so and i think i was texting with leslie too and she was asking about it and i was like you're feel free to watch it however this is what's there and she's like okay maybe i don't want to watch it and i was like that's, it's a lot that's the beauty of this community though too i like just if you watch it and you know like your homegirl or homie is like not, not gonna respond well to it like that's important like this, mm -hmm. I think that's a huge responsibility that that was left out to not be able to do that because who's watching it? Like, I remember as a kid, I would watch novelas. Mm -hmm. So, and you would, because you're with your caregivers, mm -hmm. with your abuelita, your mom watching it. So, you're watching it with them because you mm -hmm. have no choice. Because then Walter's going to come out and say the horse go. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, no, we're leaving it there. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm like thinking back, like, was this on TV? Because obviously, we watched it on Netflix. Yeah. And looking uh -huh, back, uh -huh. it was released actually supposedly on Netflix in 2017. Uh -huh. And I'm like, well, who opened the Pandora box to this conversation again for everyone to kind of jump on this wagon of watching it? Because that's been a while then. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it was mm -hmm. it aired on I think Univision or Telemundo um, in 2017, but then they released it on Netflix. So there was like this yeah resurgence of like attention toward it. Um, I was telling Bernice that I went down the rabbit hole of all the like backstory cheese men. I started like <laughs> looking everybody up and like, yeah. you know, because I obviously when I was watching it, I was like, okay, whose version is all of this? Right. Because we had mm -hmm. similar critiques about the Selena series <laughs> and yes. <laughs> and, and, and clearly saying like, oh, okay, this is Abraham's and AB's version of this story. And so Selena really takes like a second, you know, like you don't really see it through her eyes per se. And so the first thing Affordable, I was like, yeah, anything. right. I was like, okay, who, who, you know, and, and then there's still like, I haven't, you know, I was just doing minimal research. So I haven't got like definitive answers, but I think there's some of it's based on her book that was released after she died, but she had already like, Mm -hmm. I think I've uh, written mm -hmm. most of it and then her family kind of uh, published Unbreakable. it. It's called Unbreakable, yeah. My Story, My Way. Which oh. is such a her Ooh. title too. Ooh. Like Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And then I think some of it is based on her former, uh, was it agent or whatever those people are called. Oh. So her former, I had read a little bit about that because I also jumped in the rabbit hole. I mean, I would be at two o'clock in the morning. I was committed. Me too. Invested in this. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sucks you in. There's something about this like novella that Ooh. just like, like you can't stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there was um, it was Universion that actually got sued because they aired an unauthorized like 
um, novella oh. on their network oh. based on the agent's unauthorized book release oh. of his version of her story. Okay. Um, and basically, there was an undisclosed or undis what is it called? Those statements, those legal oh, NDA, NDA. Non-disclosure. Non-disclosure, yes. And so he revealed things from that <laughs> non-disclosure. So he got sued along with Winnie Garcia. Oh. That's the cheese there. No, that's so important because I was like <laughs> I was watching all these different YouTube clips, and there was one where they had like a sit a sit down with all the family. It was like two of her brothers, her mom, and all her kids. And they were asking her like all the asking the family like all these back questions, and that came out. So um, so that clarifies there was like another <clears throat> another series that was okay. not um mm -hmm. yeah, there was yeah, because like <laughs> from what I saw, <laughs> here's the cheesema part, right? From what I saw of the interview, it was like, you know, because they were asking the whole cheesema around Cheekies and and uh Stephen Loiza, and she was like, and then they asked her about this guy, Pete Salgado, which is her former whatever manager. <clears throat> and she was like, fuck that guy. Like straight up. She was like, fuck that guy. And I was like, ooh, I was like, oh, there's a whole, there's a whole story here. So that, that's good to, to know that part of the the story. So I wanna, I wanna really though say, like, before we get into kit tearing all all the shit apart, is like one thing is I think I don't know if she gets enough credit for who she was and like despite all the shit she went through and I'm sure we can have critiques about her but fuck man like she had to mm -hmm. stand up against a lot of shit like she was a woman in a man's 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 industry right like that machismo mm -hmm. was so in her face and she went up there and she was basically like, fuck all y'all. And I remember when, I mean, obviously I knew about her for a long time. And then when her reality show came out and I was watching it and Tommy was always kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, like he's just really sometimes dismissive. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> like, I think your problem with her is that she's acting like a man, right? Like if if she were a man up on stage drinking, like cussing, yeah. Right. If she if she were on stage, like if it was a man and and look at the people like Juan Gabriel, who was drinking wine and throwing it all over the place. And, you know, and and <laughs> rock stars are like smoking yeah. wheat, like all of that shit. And they're cussing and all of that. And and they don't get nearly as much scrutiny as mm. she did, who was very femme. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this hyper like sexual and unapologetic about that, but also no, vulgar no, no. and also like in your face and up there getting drunk off tequila. Like, I think mm -hmm. just people couldn't handle that, you know, like people didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, men clearly <laughs> didn't know what to do with that. But mm -hmm. I, I just was always a fan of that. And after watching this, I was like, fuck, man, she doesn't get enough. Like, mm. and I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to start comparing, but I just, I do think about Selena and how much, fandom there is and maybe i'm just not in that fandom you know or i'm not exposed to that mm -hmm. fandom but i mean those songs she wrote them composed them mm -hmm. produced them her fucking self like yeah. chingona mm -hmm. that's like that is like the you know and for yeah. of all the and i'm just mm -hmm. like wow like all her song i started listening to all her music <laughs> And it's just amazing. Playing um, it. So I just she started playing it in the writing circles. I did. 
in our, yeah. in our writing course. Well, before I even say much, because obviously uh, they didn't have any trigger warnings in the novella, but there's trigger warnings here. So if anybody needs to know that, yes, there's a lot of topics yeah. we're going to talk about that is just going to hit a core yeah. to your spot about different things like sexual violence and all these other machisto, machismo things. So, yeah, I don't, I believe the same thing. I'm like, I, um, I mean, I was a kid growing up listening to some of her music, but like high school, I would say like, you know, when I started listening to her, it was, uh, I would say something like during that time, even probably eighth grade or seventh grade that I was in a lot of women, female artists and like, entering into the man's world and in, in the music industry. Yeah, even for example, like, mm -hmm. like Britney Spears, you know, the whole, mm -hmm. that's a new thing right now that people are talking about of mm -hmm. what she had to go through. Mm -hmm. And that era, that's the same era of like Jenny DeVetta in the 90s, you know, like they were breaking, mm -hmm. literally mm -hmm. breaking the wall to get to where we're not there yet, but we're in a much better place mm -hmm. than we were then. And unfortunately, they were like the trailblazers of mm -hmm. having to like, <laughs> you know, kind of say fuck it to all these, you know, yeah social norms and you know what uh what a female should look like and what they need to you yeah. know how sweet like the the image of a woman um yeah. so yeah i i remember like listening to her i would get criticism even from family like oh like you're one of those kind of <laughs> labor like already categorizing me into a loca you know uh like atravias but honestly i listen to her music because i'm like damn this is a i'm so used to listening from the men in my house mm -hmm. men singing these songs mm -hmm. and here's a woman singing about these songs and now i feel validated like i am a mm -hmm. bad bitch too or i have a voice <laughs> too you know like mm -hmm. even though i'm a freaking high school kid but dang i still wanted to claim back my myself my body yeah you know um yeah, yeah, I I think it's important to to really start with giving her so much credit for like you said being such a trailblazer in that industry in that in music and yeah, it's it means everything for little girls to be you know, because yeah, we hear so much shit music from men. This is really just offsetting all of that, right? Like we're just like we're, you know, we're going to mm -hmm. take all that and it's kind of like I mean, mm -hmm. it, it it is feminist in nature, right? Even if she didn't necessarily use that term. I don't know, but I I mean that song that she called she has called Ovarios. It's Oh it's, Los Ovarios. It's yeah. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like that's so oh my God. Like Yeah. Cause we're always used to like, oh echele, echele, no tienes huevos, right? Yeah. Like the like the, mm -hmm. like you don't have the balls mm -hmm. to do something. I I don't. I don't. I actually have ovaries and I'm using that. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love that. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to start with like let's let's giving let's give her props, and then <laughs> I'm like, where do we begin? We do have a question here, and we will get to that question because I think that's important. But I'm like, we have to name again these trigger these violent depictions that are happening that with no trigger warning with no content I, I kept like i think i kept watching in the beginning to see like okay somebody's gonna come in and be the voice of reason <laughs> somebody's gonna come in and say something and it just essentially it never really happened there was some subtext of things but nothing no one ever really straight up came out and called anything out i mean it starts off when 
first of all, her first husband, I don't even know if they were really married, but she meets him when she's 15 and he's in his 20s. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just say that. Let's just Mm -hmm. be clear about what that's about. And then he's completely sexually abusive, you know, physically abusive to her. And they they show it. Like, there's no, like, let's cut Repeatedly. It's not just like, okay, yeah, this happened in her life. It's like, you're invested in that relationship already watching it. And you're going through the same trauma. Like, he's yelling at her. And the way he's yelling at her, it's not like... You know, well, fuck you. It's like, like, you know, and it's just like, mm-hmm. whoa, I just like went on a time capsule, like traveled back into, I mean, if someone that go has those experiences, if you come from a household with similar, <laughs> you know, backgrounds and without those trigger warnings, mm-hmm. you're sent back into time with that. And, 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 and for those that are still living, unfortunately, like you have to, like, I don't know, this was just a lot. And so I know, like, people, I didn't get to finish it. I'm going to be honest. I, I stopped at, like, episode 45. I saw, like, half mm-hmm. of it. It was already exhausted. And I feel like I went through a big chunk of the trauma, the drama of the trauma. And, you know, I was like, I don't think I can continue on. Like, I, yeah. you know, what, I, it just, like you were mentioning, there's no, I was waiting for that saving grace, the savior. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is so tragic and sad. Like, yeah. where's her help? She's alone on this, not yeah. just in the music industry, but in her personal life. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was, mm. and it was, I mean, yeah, like Bernie said, it was episode after episode after episode. I'm like, do they really need 20 episodes on this first husband? Like, can't we skip? You know, usually you watch a movie and they kind of skip past and they just do a montage of like crazy stuff. And I mean, you really see the full spectrum. And then what was, the worst and weird is when they start getting into the sexual uh, violence of the young girls, right? Because it's, you yes. know. And I Even was like- Even the music played. Yes, it was so creepy. It was, it was like, it triggered you. Now I can't listen to an ice cream man or whatever, or ice cream. <laughs> no, no, it was, like, it was it, one of those little jewelry those- boxes. Oh yes, I have one right oh, here. Oh, like, how freaky! Just, pull, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show it. No, I'm not gonna show it. So then, Christina no, can get an idea. It's a it. really, it's a music, it's a music box. It's a music uh-huh. box, like a little girl music, music box. But well, okay, I don't want to associate that with scary things, but it's kind of already, so right? Unfortunately, it's a little bit that's what they did. Yeah, that's every time did. a creepy scene would happen they would play that music like and mm. I, mean, I I thought what I thought about honestly was the actors I thought what did they tell these little girl actors about what they were depicting I mean because they obviously they didn't show anything clearly but there was still the that like interaction of the like the, the physical grooming. expression, yeah. the licking of the lips from the man Ugh. and looking at the girl and the little girl looking at him. There is eye contact there. And that was disturbing because it's like, I'm thinking the real life experience of these little yeah. girls having to work through that working environment. Like yeah. he has to yeah. look at them and crave them. He has to give that Ugh. Ugh. facial expression that is just like how disturbing that is. That's and it's not just one time. Then you have to go through the episodes and then they revisit. Uh-huh. They do like flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, do we really need to go back there again? Yeah. Like, 
So then I want to get into what um, Elisa de Vargas, who's on here, because I think this is an important part of, aside from her experience of this domestic and sexual violence, was the normalization of it within her family and within her community. Um, And even like the way his family kind of like normalized it. I mean, it was so weird. I was like, I want to believe that if somebody in my family was being an asshole, I mean, (laughs) I would have something to say about it. Or, you know, there's just, which goes to show how normalized victim blaming is, right? But Mm -hmm. her, her, basically her like dad's perspective was, um, not what we don't, we don't get involved in other people's relationships. Right. right. Like it's not it that's we don't get involved in other people's marriages, right? Mm-hmm. Um and the even mom, if they're 15 years old, 16 years right. old, 17 years old. Like I mean, let's talk about nice. them. The mom basically kicked her out when she becomes pregnant and says, Well, the right mm-hmm. thing to do is to marry this man and to go live with him, right? And like, yeah. and that, that somehow saved her whatever you know whatever i mean that's it's a it's a common story and honor. so there's there's her honor her honor right right so there's the layer of like the, the the violence the normalization of it the um and then like elisa here was saying that the the tia right mm-hmm. and, oh my god i was like get this tia out like wh- wh- why like she kept saying like that's the they have to stay together and anytime that she would leave him she would say, oh, it's, you know, like she would feel sorry for him and say the right thing to do is they need to be together and she needs to be with the father mm-hmm. of her children. Yeah. And, and I can't, and the mom was trying to like come back at her, but I don't, again, that's where I kept waiting for somebody to come in and be like, no, right. Like, and say like, no, this is, this is dangerous. This, you know, she like, I mean, ugh, like, yeah, this Thea was so, yeah. she finally, right? But it wasn't yeah. until he ended up um, being uh, brought to trial and she still wanted to defend him. Yeah. Yeah, that whole idea. I think just, that was very uh, old school mentality. I know she seemed pretty young but, uh, in, the, in the series. I don't know how old she really was, but I, she definitely comes from an old school mentality, what they say, like, you stick through when you're married with someone and your relationship through the thick and thin, you know, like through everything. They're like ride and die, ride and die. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I was, oh, my earring fell. I didn't, I just kind of saw her as a nuance in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was like wondering what is her role in this? And then yeah. in that when she, the, the, the tia, yeah, the aunt. And then, I, you know, seeing her, being uh passive but so she was also kind of like she seemed one of those theas that uh manipulative i way in a way that was in so like i don't know it seemed like there was a level of respect that i guess they had her just because she was there and then they lost that obviously later on in the show um the brothers i think right because they're like well how can you support yeah. him yeah trino um yeah. And that that changed, I think, their relationship. And I don't know how that really was in real life. Yeah, she and and I think that's something important for us to say is that all of our <laughs> cheese men judgments are based off the show. How that played out in real life, mm-hmm. we may 
never know like the real real stuff but it, all of this is based on what we what was depicted in the show and i think the major thing was that she she essentially because his defense was that the the girls were lying right that rosie and chickies were lying and that thea came in and said yes little girls like make up stuff sometimes or maybe they're confused or whatever and so the family that was that was the that was the line right like she had been years of perpetuating like this violence but you know the line was oh now you know she's kind of taking his side and so i was like thank god like when they finally cut her out i was like oh my god <laughs> thank god That's but the double the double standard i see in, in families where it's like they'll treat young girls as a woman like when she's 15 or whatever or, or even even younger than that like oh yeah yes grandecita she's 10 years old and you want the 10 year old to do laundry, wash dishes, cook, you know, food for the family, watch the kids. But then when it comes to things that they experience, oh, you don't know nothing about that. Mm -hmm. It's like downplaying mm -hmm. it, you know, mm -hmm. their children don't have lives. Like, what do you know about that? Mm -hmm. And it's like that double standard really, uh, it silences mm -hmm. the voice for mm -hmm. young girls. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tragic to see that. There's some people commenting. Oh, yeah. One says, I wonder how Spanish media and consumers of Spanish media would handle trigger warnings. Ooh, that's a good topic. Um, in English media, uh, there are trigger warnings on some shows. Um, and it says, info on the National DV Hotline and Suicide exactly. Hotline should be given out in almost each, in every single episode. Yeah. Every single episode. Every yep. single one. All 91 episodes. There was, I mean, mm. at, at lo menos, right? At least, at the very least. Um, mm -hmm. It's an interesting question about trigger warnings and how Spanish language media, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I think even because there's still the system that rates um, shows, right? Like if they get a, you know, a, a certain kind of rating, it, it's different from movies, but you know, it'll say like depictions of violence or whatever. Like mm -hmm, I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even, I wasn't really paying attention to if that was even there, but um, yeah, mm. that's, that's an interesting, thing of like how Spanish language media, you know, handles trigger warnings, but something, I, I mean, God, they could have written in a fake voice of reason. I don't know. Right. I kept, I kept wanting to go, be and like, you know, so, so there's this layer of her experience, you know, this Thea, and then let's talk about the men. Cause really they're the ones that need to be held to the, so you have this, you have Trino, her first husband, who was obviously the, the worst, right? He was super violent. Mm. Um, however, there kept being this weird, like her brother, she has, I think, four brothers or three brothers? Four brothers. Um, one, six of them, I think. It's Gus and Pete, Pete right? Yeah. yeah. There's so four has, of them, and then her, and then Rosita. Yeah. Yeah. And so they kept like demonizing right like you know when when you know like they you know obviously they always had something against him and then even when this like they always took her side and wanted to defend her but they were still perpetuating the same kind of mentality within their own personal lives and relationships right they mm -hmm. wanted to paint yeah. you know as something different from them because he was physically abusive or sexually violent but somehow them being possessive or controlling mm -hmm. was different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. even in relationships, mm -hmm. sexual relationships, 
mm-hmm. with women. They were hitting up and being with young girls too, knowing already the fact that their nieces had been raped by their own father and, you know, by men. It's to me that, yeah, but, you know, it's just, it's sad that that is unfortunately normalized it's something that i've seen growing up mm-hmm. you know that that people do that. like not you know we protect our family but don't get into our lives like that's yeah you know, that's mm-hmm. my business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's part of the machismo too it's like you know like a man's a man it's a man's world yes i mean let's talk about the okay so one brother who's married and he's like a big I mean, they only show a little bit of it. Like they show that he goes to strip clubs, but I'm like, hmm, I'm sure there was a little bit more to it than that. Like they don't really straight up show that he had an affair, but you know. And then all of a sudden, yeah. what do you think happens? He gets saved by God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know Christina will have a lot to say about that, but yeah, he becomes a born again or, you know, yeah. become super religious. <laughs> he is now a pastor. And now he's preaching uh. about what uh, right, what roles men and women are supposed to play in marriages. And um, how, like forgiveness, or he talks a lot, like when the parents are going to get divorced because the dad cheats on the mom, like all the time. Like, I don't show a lot of that, but in real life. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was all, and like straight up in her face, right? And, um, and so when they're going to get divorced, number one, all of them were like, oh, you guys got to stay together. I'm like, your mom is miserable. Why would you want your mother to stay miserable just because of this idea of marriage and what marriage is supposed to look like, or because you want that, right? Like no one wants their parents to get divorced, but yeah. I mean, honestly, I was like, if if my mom was that unhappy, like, why would I want to force her to be in, just for me, right? Like, to me, that's, like, selfish. But I, I, it was, yeah, it was incredible. And anyway, so that's the one brother's story, right? Like, he totally Religiosity does. plays a big role. And I think Ooh. it's, like, a whole big conversation with that because it does tie into how machismo is held up you know, be uh, tied into that and, and the forgiveness part of it. It's like, mm-hmm. well, we can just pray about it and we'll just, you know, well, life happens and it happens again. And it's just this whole cycle that continues. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, oh my gosh. That was like, it was, it was so annoying even up until um, the last couple episodes. So they showed when, when Jenny got married to, to Esteban and he's the, mm-hmm. he marries them and he says, the role of the man is to is de proteger y, um, y, uh, to protect and provide. And then he says, um, the role of the woman is to intelligently, oh, what was the word he used? Intelligently, um, <laughs> essentially like obey or follow or be submissive, right? And I was like, this motherfucker yeah. just told Jenny Rivera to be submissive. I was like, God damn, like, I don't know. Again, I was waiting for the like, you know, because <clears throat> I think there's yeah. a shocking part about that for people that don't know Jenny Rivera or did and and for, to be honest, didn't know we a lot of us I think didn't know so much the behind the, the her life, right? And I think that part of 
you know, we see her on stage as being this fierce chingona woman. Like, who can tell her to sit down? Who can tell her to calm down? But yet behind, and I think her, like her book demonstrate that, like, I went through a lot of shit. Like, behind and seen in the movie, in the novella, you see her constantly being in, in physical and emotional ways and other ways as well spiritual ways i mean her spirit was down um you know knocked down so hard that excuse me you know what my uh oh it's still burning it's like burning my like this no wonder and i have no ventilation so i'm like (laughs) i overstaged i overstaged Uh, but yeah, like I, it, for me, it was a surprise to see that side of like, well, I'm not used to seeing her being silenced, her being min- minimized, her you know, um, being manipulated. But yet she had to have this. Per- she had to perform, and and I feel like that was her being liberated. Like that's her who she really was and wanted to be. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I think two things come up for me there. One is. Throughout the show, I mean, because it's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Like, it's just a show of fucking tragedies. And I was like, I really, and I maybe that's why I liked the reality show so much, because it was just her and her family being, like, a normal-ass family, right? Like, yes, she was, like, super rich, but they were still a straight-up, like, normal family and i love seeing norwalk yeah Yeah. like i just loved seeing how just like you know super down to earth she was and i think the show we didn't get to see a lot of her joy right we just see that tragedy and i was like Mm -hmm. fuck had i not like you said known the like maybe had i not seen the reality show and i was like she was i mean yes she experienced a lot of shit but we, you know, we do need to show the joy, right? In in and in, in these like, and that you don't have to always be like persevering, right? The other thing is that I wonder how much of it sounds. Yeah, go ahead. I know my timing's off, but it sounds like what is it? Tragedy porn, kind of. It mm. sounds. Um, and you were holding on. Oh, yeah. You were holding on for the the saving the the light you know to go off you know and 91 episodes into tra- tragedy porn and never and never brought resolution yeah. that's what i'm hearing yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate <laughs> i kind of had to word it that way like oh yeah. my god this is a movie or a show i'm waiting for you know the 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 happy ending at the end you know such an american media but know, she did have happy I mean, even mm-hmm. even when they showed her wedding, okay, like straight up, her wedding was like an event. You know, I remember when when she got married, and it was all over the papers, <clears throat> and it was everywhere. And the way that she's still calling the old homie, like that's what they show on the series that she's calling Fernie, right? And I'm like, ah, it's still so male sent. And it's not to say that that didn't happen, but it's like I just I would have wanted to see like more of like. Like, what was the reception like? Like, did they party? Like, you know, I just, it was, yeah, it was totally tragedy porn. I think that's the, the perfect word for it. And the thing I kept thinking was, you know, cause like you said, Bernice, there was the religiosity of her family. So much of that, like, you know, and then because like her, 
brother. And then I think even Rosie essentially becomes kind of like a preacher tambien, right? And so they're very much about, you know, Bible verses and all of that stuff. Um, and mm -hmm. not to say that Jenny wasn't mm -hmm. religious, but I do, I guess maybe I want to believe, <laughs> especially given her persona on stage, that she was a little bit more rebellious, even if she didn't necessarily verbalize it in that way. Like, I think a lot of us know how to survive in those kinds of environments by mm -hmm. kind of doing what we need to do in certain scenarios, mm -hmm. but then being able to find spaces to be, like you said, free and our true selves. And you're totally right. Like on stage, that's where she got to to break all of the rules because, yeah, you know, and, and it, I don't know, it was, it's interesting. I think I remember seeing an interview, mm -hmm. interview with her mentioning about, like someone brought up that of how like vulgar she was and it, you know, mm -hmm. if she had any intentions of like toning it down or something like that. <laughs> um, and she obviously she had something smart to say because she really did speak uh -huh. her opinion. If you ever seen her, like, they'd have to sometimes like cut it. We're not going to air that. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh -huh, it was uh -huh. very like she meant what she said and uh, she didn't care like if she was on camera or not but she had mentioned something about uh in the sense of like you know that that quote ni santa ni punta ni, sa mm -hmm. ni santa ni putas right like yeah. and i think that's something that like she was religious um in the sense like she did believe in god and she did yeah. have you know but as you know this image i think i think that's also part of that um restraint that I think people feel like in, in culture wise, when we grow up in families and in that kind of cultura of like, you have to maintain this image, this saint like, you know, even when you're in your well into your 20s, sometimes for women, like, you, you know, to maintain like, oh, my parents can't know that I'm sexually active, like stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it, even like parents, they know, mm -hmm. but they don't want to know. They don't want yeah. you to know that they know. <laughs> so, or, or it's like, it's, um, Let's just not talk about it because there was so much of that. Like, I mean, it was so freaking fascinating that dad, like I kept watching it and there was maybe, maybe there'd be an episode where yeah. things were like, okay. And then now, oh, there's the machismo again, right? Like you can't go too long without it. It's gotta, it's gotta show up in some way um, because the dad, I mean, the, for the most part, you know, at the beginning I was like, oh, you know, he seems like a supportive dad, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden he's, they're going through the divorce with the mom. And he's just like, when the kids are trying to hold him accountable, he's like, no te metes, right? Like you don't get involved. This is between us. And then he keeps saying, well, your mom just wants to cause problems and your mom's just being a, oh, he kept calling her a martyr that she mm. likes to be the martyr. He would talk, say it about her mm. and to her face. And like, you know, she's the one creating all these issues. He essentially says, why can't she just be happy living together and let me do my own thing? And he would go home and want his fucking food mm -hmm. on the yeah. table, his clothes, like, basically, I mean, he, was, yeah. he was very unapologetic about saying, like, mm -hmm. our life has worked this way. Why can't she just be happy with it continuing mm -hmm. to work that way? And she finally was like, no, fuck you. Like I, and she kept saying like, I'm not going to let you continue to disrespect me because it's not like it was a big secret what he was mm -hmm. doing. Everybody knew and everybody mm -hmm. somehow, you know, turned the blind eye or whatever. And when his, when the kids started finally that, uh, trying to hold. Marianismo, right? Mm-hmm. 
when they f- were trying to find even Jenny Rivera mm-hmm. b- uh, at some point wasn't talking to her dad. And I think Lupio too, like they all kind of had issues because, you know, they took the mother's side and his thing was like, how dare you turn my kids against me? Can right? you explain a little bit when you get a chance? Yeah. Marianismo. I had some friends that I told them about that and they're like, what is that? <laughs> and I was, I, I'm kind of, I don't feel like I had gave the well, best explanation. I love how someone in the chat put the machismo versus the marianismo or them together and how you see that played out. The the machismo even highlighted maybe even more by uh, Protestant culture within Christianity, more than Catholicism. I'm not sure, but it sounds like that plays a part in this story. But yeah. the, you, we know what machismo is, but it's up against... Um, self-sacrificing, you know, I, I think Renee is going to put much better words on Marianismo. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's the mother who sends her children off to war to be soldiers for, you know, it's um, the one who is a virgin, um, but also um, a freak in the bed, actually, you know, that's that, that binary <laughs> wow. at the same time, you know, but, but in public, is yeah. is a total you know she's never had she's never had sex she had a child you know from the holy spirit you know <laughs> etc you know but renee t- yeah. give us some more details i think self-sacrifice is the is the perfect thing it's the idea of that once you become a mom once you become a wife you are to serve the husband and once you become a mom your whole existence is about mm-hmm. those kids and just like the story of the virgin mary says um you know, she saw her son die on the cross. And so she was suffering, but that that's the mark of a real woman is to be willing to suffer for the better of the world in Mary's case. And Mm -hmm. in our case, for the better of our children, we let go of all our own. Like we are no longer individuals. We are now only of our kids. We only serve. And, and Jenny's mom was exactly that. She Mm -hmm. she everything she was a singer that's how the dad met her and she gave up her career she gave up any potential to be his fucking maid and support all mm-hmm. their kids and mm-hmm. without any kind of sense of individuality right like that's that's yeah. i think um i always use a personal example when i had my first son and i was essentially what i didn't realize at the time, but experiencing postpartum anxiety. And I went to my mom and my grandmother, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm having all this stuff. And, and my mom looks at me and says, that's just part of being a mom. And my grandmother kind of nods like, yeah, like welcome to motherhood. And I'm like, and I literally was like, are you fucking kidding me? And it took me a really long time to be like, nah, fuck that shit. Like I'm going to therapy because there, I don't believe that this has to just mm-hmm. be my, my existence. Mm-hmm. And, be, and and just because mm-hmm. they have, like doesn't mean that I have to do that. Right. And, and that's, to me, that's Marianismo is the idea of like <laughs> suffering is just a part of the experience of being a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. I know you brought up the mental health part about it because such it's such a taboo thing to have those conversations, to one talk in general, and then to yeah. talk to someone else about your family problems. <laughs> and was, that's a big no-no, and it's so taboo. But in this show, they actually did encourage 
um, you know, the men, like there was a big mental health part there for Jenny Rivera. Like, I think a lot of us didn't know, like she was institutionalized, put on a 5150 hold. You know, that's like the first experience that we kind of see throughout the show of, of mental health. After being a brought suicide up. attempt. Suicide attempt. Yeah. That, you know, because of the trauma that she went through. Again, with, with no trigger you know, warning. The suicide no attempt with no trigger warning. Yeah. Mm. Um, that was hard. That was really hard. Mm. And and she was young. She was a minor um, at that time. She was not even, like, she was probably like 15, 16 years old, I think. Mm. Right? Around that age. Um, and then... And I want to say, like, yeah. you know, again, it's it's. I try to take it with a grain of salt because who's telling the story? But the so where she was, right? This institute was a religious, you know, center, right? It, you know, their whole thing was, you know, they went to like Bible study or whatever, and so, you know, I just I I'm always like questioning, like, oh, you know, how much of that gets steeped in again still kind of perpetuating some shit i mean it seems like her therapist at least had some good things <laughs> to help her out with you know yeah. um but it was interesting yeah that, i mean that was a that was a quite a few episodes where she's institutionalized in there. institutionalized yeah. and then we you know fast forward when she has her kids and they come forward and tell the truth about what happened to them being yeah. you know you know, sexually um, molested. violated, molested. Yeah. I think even raped uh, her sister. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, was raped by. So that part too, um, you know, was talked about in in the sense of like seeking therapy because the sister Rosita was for years. Apparently, it seemed like. I mean, they even switched. I think actors afterwards. For years, uh -huh. she grew up having to keep this, you know, secret. Um, and that's pretty common for kids. You know, I'm surprised that she still had that with her. A lot of kids kind of black out those memories and then re you know, those are revisited but later. But she, she, uh, you know, they did talk about, you should probably go talk to someone. Like you, yeah. you need yeah. some, you need some help. You need to, you know, talk about your issues. And um, I appreciated that from the show. If I could say something about, it, I appreciated that from the show because normally like mental health, and the in speaking to the therapist is not really something that yeah. we put on the table to talk about. We don't really yeah. encourage it so much. And I, I think still, it's, yeah. especially in religious families, they'll say things more like, Oh, just go talk to the priest or go talk right. to the pastor or go talk to God, right? Go pray. Um, like you said, rather than going and seeing help. I think so Rosie has a book too. Um, where she, I forget what her book is called, but she talks about her whole experience and like coming back from mm. all of her sexual trauma. Um, because yeah, she essentially, yeah, I mean, she, the way they portray it is she has a lot of, she's super rebellious and, you know, I guess promiscuous and drugs. Promiscuous, and alcohol. she did drugs and alcohol, right? Yeah. I mean, All there was a that. scene where she like stripped down naked, right? In the city. She was like out here in LA. Yeah, she was like high and like she was just on the side of the road and some like, oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Like, like tragedy porn is the, is the right, perfect word for describing the show. Of, it's just so many different. Yeah. Just all the darkness, which is why, like I said, I, I think 
I was holding out hope for something. And I think that's what had me going in and looking at the behind the, like the real cheese man. And then I started like following them on <laughs> social media mm-hmm. to see like what is like, they have to be living some kind of like happy lives, you know, despite all of this. Mm. Uh, someone said what I heard Rosie's podcast on Trino uh, and she yeah. does attribute a lot of her healing to spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. And um, it's so interesting because, you know, like, yeah, you take this journey with this show and in their, like, in in their religiosity, there's bits and pieces of it that totally make sense, right? That, like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then it gets tied right back to, like, patriarchy, right? Like, and that's where the the problematic stuff comes in because at its core, you know, and I've always said this as a product of Catholic school, I think if we really read the Bible, <laughs> if we really know Jesus, right? Like Jesus was this, you know, a revolutionary. He was a, he would have been, you know, <laughs> I don't know, out there calling for socialism, but um, but, but then it gets concocted because it's filtered through men, right? Through these male religious leaders and that, you know, want to kind of distort the message and all of that. Um, and so, yeah. So again, there was a lot of that, you know, like, yeah, her spiritual journey, you're like, okay, there's, there's a lot of goodness there. Um, and, and there's also that, you know, other kind of stuff. She says she's, she also said some interesting things about forgiveness of one's abuser and having compassion for the reaction that family members have to sexual abuse. That was the other thing that really tripped me out was the youngest daughter who says she doesn't remember being abused um, was really adamant about having a relationship with her father, even, and so this is the cheeseman that I found. <laughs> so she talks to her father and he's still alive in jail and she talks to her father and I guess Cheekies didn't talk to him for a really long time. And her sister, um, what is her sister's name? The the second daughter, why can't I think of it? Uh, I'm like, they're, they're all with J's. Um, Jacqueline. Jack, yeah, Jackie. So Jackie kept, I guess, wanting Cheekies to talk to their dad. And so there's an, I was, I came across a clip of an episode of the reality show where and I think this is after Jenny dies that she like Jackie's on the phone with her dad. And she says here, Cheeky's talk. And you can see Cheeky's face. Like, like she straight up is doing this, like, I, uh, you know, and so she talks to her dad and, and that it was just a little clip. And then I saw another clip of her wedding and she talks to, because of course in jail, now he's become religious and he reads the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> And so on Shiki's wedding day, she talks to her dad and they like pray together, like before she walks down the aisle. And I was like, oh, and then I, <laughs> this is the cheeseman, right? And then I, and then I read a, a post by Jackie and she has a picture of her and her dad. She went to go visit him in jail and she goes, I know a lot of people are not going to understand this, yeah. but you know, he's still my dad at the end of the day. And she says, I'm not dismissing what my sister and my aunt experienced, but you know, he is my father and I can't help but feel this way. And I mean, so I, I think she's trying to speak to the complexity yeah. and, and I can only imagine, right. I'm, I'm not judging. It's more of like, yeah, it's like, wow. Right. Like, wow. Like where, like that is a lot of, right. 
I don't know if to see that as being a product or a symptom of the machismo, marianismo part of it, of the unfortunate part that, you know, mm. families say, like, that, family is family. That's still your mom. That's still your dad. Like, mm. no matter what the conflict was, the abuse was, at the end of the day, they're your family. And we're the only ones that are going to be there for mm. you. And I just feel like that is just such a... That's toxic. That's so toxic. Yes, because it's almost like this is the only support that you have that you can rely on. So, you know, you're going to come back to us anyway. So no matter what happens, you know, and it's just like the hand that feeds you and the hand that also hurts you, um, you know, and it's just just the cycle that just gets like, and that's just taboo in itself of the topic of sexual abuse for young girls, young kids, you know, young children. And to me, it's like when you see that played out again who's who are the viewers who's watching this and with no trigger warnings no conversations no you know conversation after the novella to talk about like (laughs) hey if your kids are experiencing this or you know Uh watch the show and you know tell you something this is what you can do this is where you can go Uh this is what Uh you none of that is talked about all i know is that a kid's gonna see that Mm -hmm. and it's Either stay quiet, and, and there's no context. There's no yeah. con- like, there's no context. That's mm-hmm. what I I think. That's something to come back around mm-hmm. to is thinking about how without context. So let's put aside because I think anybody seeing it and seeing what Trino does, you're like, okay, we can definitively say he is a monster. But then somehow the dad and the brothers are not right. They're valiente. They're protectors. They're they're just trying to defend their sister or because even in their relationships like the Juan right tells his wife like no you can't go work because your job is to be here and raise my kids and you know and feed me blah 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 and I was like oh my god this motherfucker like (laughs) um so that's like romantic um side cheese man it's like big love I don't know if you can oh no I haven't seen that oh sorry so sorry it's like it's like big love. It's like um, that movie, you know, or that television show where it's about um, polygamy, but they compare mm-hmm. a suburban polygamous family to backwater polygamous family. So it makes this suburban family who have multiple wives like totally normal, seem normal, you know? And I yeah. that seems to be what's happening here too. You've got like the total villains and then you have these machismo men that are just kind of machismo in comparison you know so it's it makes like, them seem so much better yeah it's but like, i actually it's think the whole story is is asking like i would think some viewers like us or like some <laughs> educated educated latinas are listening and they're thinking oh you know i've normalized this too in my life and obviously mm-hmm. it's not normal this is totally effed up you know mm-hmm. I, I would think i don't know no, I think that's 100%. the hope. <laughs> I, 100%. I think, yeah, I, I, think I had the hope. experience of that of like watching this show and thinking back when I was fifteen, and I had a secret relationship with a neighbor who was twenty three years old, and the only person that knew about it was my grandma, and she saw it. I was like, well, you know, he looks good, he has a job, and you know, and it just thinking back, I'm like, dang, she heck normalized that for me, and mm-hmm. I'm I was a kid like. You know, that that was that 
yeah, like, and, and learning that the other people had similar kind of relationships that they had to hide. Yeah. And, and there's only one people or a few people in the family that can know about it because, you know, yeah, that's what it is in Mexico. So, you know, there's nothing wrong. It's beyond normalizing and romanticizing it. Cause you said like your grandmother said, oh, well, he's got a job. And right. So it's like, what a good man, right? Like to be, to wanting to take care of you. And, you know, it's so interesting because I'm like, this gets real deep, but I have, I've been really trying to explore my, my lineage um, because I've never personally experienced sexual violence, but in my ancestral work, <laughs> it keeps coming up that there's something there that nobody's really talked about. And so there's the story of my, I'm like, who would she be? My great, great grandmother who was an orphan and a, a, became a foster child of my great, great grandfather and his first wife. When the wife died, he married the foster daughter. And, and hence my lineage comes from that. And I started asking questions like, how old was she? And what's the story? And, you know, there's a lot of vagueness mm -hmm. around like that. Maybe she was sold to them or, you know what I mean? There's just a lot of. Um, and so I started to say, like, mm. could it have been that, you know, he was straight up, you know, like it, it was an abusive relationship. And oh, my God, that was like <laughs> it was a lot, you know, and I think it's it's not that there was a denial of it. It was mm -hmm. a um, it was just a, like we don't want that to be the case. Right. Like, you know, how could that be the case? You know, that's our history. And so I think that um, somebody said time, I think or it says that so normalized in Latinx culture. And it's totally. Yeah. Um, but I think. Because the way my mom sort of said it was women at the time had very little options. Marriage was almost their way out. Out, yes. Of a lot of fucked up situations. So it was almost, it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, right? Like, mm -hmm. do I, you know, for, I imagine her might have been mm -hmm. like, do I stay an orphan or do I marry this man to ha at least have a stable life, right? And so with very little options and that generational mm -hmm. trauma of that, I couldn't understand why your grandmother is saying that at least he has a job because she was of a generation that survival was everything. Love, fuck that, right? Like you marry for survival, right? You're married yep. for stability. And so, mm -hmm. but then trying to somehow mm -hmm. tie in romance to that, right? And so it becomes yeah. this really problematic, romanticized, like, well, at least he has a job. At least he can protect and provide for you. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, um, I think a lot of our culture, I mean, I don't want to speak for all Latinidad either, but like a lot of Mexican songs too and like media, like it's perpetuated. We dance to a lot of the music. Someone mentioned about a song on the radio uh -huh. um, about 17. Like there's so many songs that I'm like now as an adult listening to, listening closely <laughs> to lyrics. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> literally I talking mean... about a little girl, literally talking about, and you know, it. it's disturbing. For sure. And it's mm -hmm. sad because it takes away kind of like that, the joy that I used, I used to find in some of those songs mm -hmm. growing up. But, you know, it's like hidden in there. It's seated. It's seated in our brains and our culture yeah. sprinkled around and everything. But, um, yeah, I was going to say about how Jenny Rivera, you know, it's unfortunate that all her partners were abusive and they all had this like almost like cookie cutter version of 
violence and this machismo and it's like it's like she went through the same experience for each man and the men that she was dating was a reflection i feel of the men that were in her life the mm-hmm. brothers her uncle you know her uncles mm-hmm. are i mean i know a little mm-hmm. bit about her personal mm-hmm. life just because of like my family and their ties with their with the rivera family but you know it's I don't, that's the cycle of violence that mm-hmm. we don't really talk about that either yeah. it's like that's all you see that's your environment so mm-hmm. you know that looks that's- familiar that's what was modeled for her was these toxic relationships so that um, she she mm-hmm. came to understand that that's what love was, right? Like that was her only, oh, well, these, these macho men in my life love me. And so that's what love is, right? Is being like this. I want to say something that was also really like, like you said, it was totally essentially living the same type of dynamic. Um, and yeah, and there were actually some parts that were interesting because they showed that she was violent, right? That she would like, like when she was with a young guy and she like scratched him. And I was like, look, that's all trauma response. Like, again, no context. It was just like, oh, well, she's crazy también, right? And I was like, nah, girl, that is a trauma response. And she's actually trying to protect, she's trying to protect herself before it happens, right? Because she would always be like hyper jealous and all that. I'm like, yeah, that's a trauma. It's all a trauma response. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that all the men Mm -hmm. in her life had a life because of her. Even Trino, Mm -hmm. she, he had a job because she gave him, she taught him how to do real estate. And all of a sudden he has all these properties. The second one, he was her manager and because she gave him that job. And then when they got divorced, mm-hmm. she had to pay him fucking alimony. He yep. lived off her almost his whole time. Um, I'm like the other one, the Fernie guy, right? <laughs> Did you know he's coming out with an album now? <laughs> um, and well, I guess the second one died. The second husband died. Yeah, the second one, I hear it in Huntington Park, actually. Yeah, the second one died. And the 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 guy that like she you know the young guy that she was always in love with um baseball even, player he, yeah he talked no not that was her husband but the uh, the oh. funny the the oh, pelon right. guy and she was saying or he was saying that um like yeah like he showed her all the like industry people and um I mean so it was just like it was like she was their fucking savior yeah right like she's the one who made all of that mm. even her even her own family right the reason that her dad had such a successful um recording company was because of her because she chose to record with him and lupio was like famous in his own right but i want to say it wasn't until jenny took off that all of that kind of you know came even more so like Mm -hmm. she was just you know she was a power act was being played out at that time of like performing while drunk and that's kind of that was his act. He would do that, and that's you know that was his initial thing. And yeah, when she popped off and she started hitting number one, two, you know, th- the th- records, he did really start coming back from his little hole that he was in because he mm. wasn't. He, they don't talk about that mm. stuff, of course. No one's gonna they talk about. Very- they were very secretive about Lupio's, like, because most of them, they show their personal lives. They didn't show, they alluded to at one point him getting a divorce or something. But I was like, oh, he must have not signed mm. <laughs> on them talking about because he's mm-hmm. had a lot. 
of drama in his personal life. I mean, yeah. he's got how many kids? Like mm-hmm. from different women. Mm-hmm. women. And I mean, it's and it's like my mom always says, typical. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. typical. He's still right? going. He has he has a new wife. Like 20, 25 years or something younger than him. Yeah. She's super young and cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're adults, but I <laughs> know I told Tommy, I so you know I have I have decided that men even even I go unless you're like 60 and 50 <laughs> I think men in their 30s should not be dating women in their 20s. I I told him I still think that that's gross. I think mm-hmm. in your 20s you're still so yeah. young and still so naive, you know, not naive in a like oh, you're you're not smart. It's a naive and like you just don't have the same kind experience. of life experience and you're still young and, and so much life to you. I told him, I was like, no, when I see these 30, cause there's like celebrities that are our age and dating 20 something girls. I'm like, no, that's gross. No, no, no. That's not cute because mm, they weren't 18. Not like it was all. not too long not ago, you know, like all. that's, yeah. yeah. I've, I've decided that. <laughs> I, I think it's into the fuel and, for machismo, you know, finding younger women. Because they even talk yes. about that when the men were yes. looking for, oh, you know, está bien, está lista. Like, oh. you know, what the hell does that mean? We, we all know, know what, that what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that means. But that's fucking disturbing. So they're always trying to look, find ways to go lower and lower in this age bracket. I think anything that, you know, men have so much power in this patriarchal world that we live in. Any, and it's already a question to me whether love can actually exist within a patriarchal relationship, um, number one. I don't know if that, that actually can actually happen, you know? So, but the more yeah. power that they have by age or by class or, or race or colorism, you know, then I think it gets even bigger and bigger. And I, this story that you're telling me um, is one of just, male saviors, you know, saving women from male perpetrators, but then male saviors are perpetrators. And it, mm-hmm. it's just this really terrible cycle. It's just really yeah. terrible. It, it had me landing on, if I had to go back into the dating world, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't think, I don't think men would date me because I would be way too fucking, I would be too much for I'd be too much. I'd be like, Welcome look. To my world. I just <laughs> that's me. Hi. I was just trying to get laid and then maybe I play along for a second. But like other than that, I'd be like, I don't know. Like I think I mean this is it's not to say that I would date women only because men suck, but I think that it would be really hard to to try to date men because Man, you know, I I, want to say that the reason I started watching was I think um, Mala Munoz posted something about after watching Selena and Mariposa de de Barrio, I've given up on on men or or not men, but like, you know, um, something like that where it was like. It's hard to find like a a fully human man. Like it's hard to find like (laughs) a, a man who's has access to his full humanity. It really is. Yeah, yeah, emotional intelligence and all that. Mm. Yeah, that is a lot. Um, I did see that post from Mala too, and that's why I jumped into watching it actually because <laughs> I know her and I were on the same page. We're DMing each other on the Selena series, so yeah. I was like, "Let me get on this." Yeah. You know, the the name of the I know that 
Jenny Rivera had a love for mariposas and mariposa stands for hope. And they named it that way as well, like her show. And I think that's why it was like constantly, we're waiting for that hope. We're waiting for the hope. And since I didn't finish the show, you know, obviously we know she tragically passes away, um, which again, even her death, that's part of the chisme, right? Is attributed to the machismo world, the narco uh, cartel and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, that you know no one really gets to talk about a lot of that stuff because no one wants to get marked but <laughs> <laughs> we're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't edit that as life but all i'm saying is <laughs> that you know that's the she like if that was if that if that is true like she died at the end with violence of of men yeah. of all her life she had experiences and if that is true and it's unfortunate you know that yeah. um this patriarchal world you know got yeah. end up doing that but i hope not um i want to say that and we'll we'll wrap up in a minute but i i i so i saw this whole series i watched it yeah i finished it last night and then it did leave me like i don't know i wanted a little bit more of an ending because they just show her getting on the plane and that last picture that was taken on the plane and then um so then i watch i went and watched on youtube the funeral and you know all the singers that were there and her family all her family and then her 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 son was 11 years old and he spoke and i was just like oh so <laughs> heart wrenching um oh. and so and the other thing was that when she died her and chiki's were not speaking and that was the other that was part a big that. part of the cheese man and, right, I, like, and, and yeah. I've heard Chiki's talk and she says that she's at peace because she knows that her mom knows the truth now, right? She's like, wherever she's at, she knows the truth. And, you know, um, mm. but I'm like, fuck, I don't know how you like that. Oh, like that would be. And her mom ugh. left her nothing. Like before she died, she had changed the beneficiary too. So I know there's a lot of criticism about that. Like when Chiki tried to survive after her mom died by... Yeah. She tried to find her talent. What's my talent? What do I need? Yeah. And she was using her mom's name in a sense too, right? To be yeah. able to support herself because everything was yeah. left to Rossi. Um, I remember because here in HP where I live literally down this, well, I don't want to disclose that, but uh, <clears throat> in HP in Pacific, <laughs> everyone knows Pacific, in Pacific, there uh, was, I don't think it's there anymore. I'm not too sure, but there's a Jenny Rivera boutique store there. And um, um yeah, and that um, tragically got vandalized after she passed away. And that kind of intrigued me to know more about also, like, what is the story behind this? Like, what happened? Was that the one where there was, like, a, where there was, like, a, a mural of her and that got vandalized? Uh, I know that. I know there was a bunch of cheese about that. Like with like, there was just a, there's a lot of cheese And the other thing is, it's so hard to know what's real and what's just straight right. up cheese Like, what right. is just you know. Because that was the other thing that they showed a lot, that a lot of the tabloids were just, like mm -hmm. relentless with her, like just never really let her live her life. Like she was just always in the spotlight. And it was a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because she needed that in order to gain success. But at the same time, it's like kind of like what Britney experienced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 we see that, you know, where Britney's at now. Um, so oh, it's just my heart goes out to Cheeky's. Yes. Oh my God, that's what I, I have I have nothing but love for Chiki's, honestly. Yeah. Like 
because she she was essentially the mom to her younger siblings right. you know and took on so much responsibility at such a young age um okay anyway we got to be wrapping up because we're over an hour <laughs> any any final any final thoughts things we have to say before we go uh i mean christina did you want to say something go ahead for it <laughs> um the last thing I want to say is, um, you know, when we're talking about patriarchy and we're talking about religion, religion we're talking about is as a white supremacist religion, you know, and I, 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 I want to just speak to how that colonial mindset, um, Puritan culture, you know, within Catholicism and then within Protestantism really that sense of divine authority that and an entitlement that comes with that. And it's, mm -hmm. I, it's just so com complicated. And I, I, I think there's something in there that I really want to talk about, you know, moving forward, what it is yeah. that, re that certain religious perspectives, you know, namely the ones that are taken over our country in the last like four years, you know, like, um, have impacted men yeah. of color, um, and given them mm -hmm. and taken more of their humanity away. You know, I just want to say that. So it's another form of colonization, I think. I think it's definitely that, you know, the Catholic Church colonized and now the Protestant Church continues to colonize and because Catholicism wasn't extreme enough, <laughs> right? Wasn't religious enough. So mm -hmm. now it's it's Protestantism that is, yeah, it's really kind of taking over that the well, we saw that in the show Vida right that her dad the same thing right wasn't her dad an abuser and and sexually abused her and then all wow. of a sudden he's this you know born again pastor tambien i my perspective on that is that the brother and this is super chismosa of me but my perspective is that he so many of them became singers and that gave them their power their fame and their money and he's using another institution to make to have his power, fame, and money mm -hmm. through religion, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's still that seeking of power. To me, it's the same thing, right? They're they're yeah. all seeking mm -hmm. power in some way. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, he just made his money and fame and all of that using religion instead of music, you know? Like yeah. that's, that's the way I saw it, mm -hmm. but yeah. Final thoughts, Bernice. Um, you know, if you're going to watch the show, know again that there's trigger <laughs> warnings. Sage your house, yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, take breaks. Uh, <laughs> take breaks. Um, if things come up for you, because I'm big on mental health, you know, definitely seek the help that you need. Go to the village that you find a safe space for. Um, because the whole mm -hmm. idea of like, you know, mm -hmm. family will be family. Your mom will still be your mom, your dad, everybody, your dad, and all that. Yes and no. And I just hope that people can like, you know, I think this opens up a lot of wounds for people if you're watching this show. I mean, if it even if it's not tied into the violence or the sexual abuse, but just in general, how family dynamics and gender mm -hmm. roles are played out is just, you know, a lot for people to take in and, and to experience and to not talk about it and not have outlets like not that I'm gonna put a plug in, but Las Doctoras mm -hmm. is a good place <laughs> to be able to find that community as well. But you know, yeah. to talk about those things. So yeah. I'm thankful and grateful for inviting me for this conversation to have. I needed to get that off my chest too, because I was just <laughs> sitting with those 
pots for weeks. Me too. I guess <laughs> still have not finished the show. And to be honest, I don't think I will finish it. Yeah. But for those personal reasons as well of protecting my energy and my mm -hmm. spirit. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone who who is here live commenting. We appreciate it all. Um and me, I was like, oh my God, I need to yeah. have a conversation about this. I need to deconstruct. I need to contextualize because it's a mess. So yeah, thanks for yeah. And, and talking about the mess. Cheers with my beer. With Cheers. 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 <laughs> thanks. All righty. Salud.